1: Tell me, do you know what day it is, Evie?
0: Um, November the 4th.
1: Not anymore. Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder, treason, and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot.
2: That's right. It's November 6th, but we're recording on November 5th, and I, too... And put movie quotes into a television show. Hello, everyone! Or a television show, a podcast. Hello, everyone. This is your good friend Patrick O'Dowd. Welcoming you into another edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Oh, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, and, and thank you. And I am joined this week here on the Chairshot Radio Network, part of the Chairshot.com, where they remind you to always use your head.
3: The Chairshot.com
4: always use your head
2: by a full bandwagon we got all three of our og regulars here that's right we've got mr saturday night pc tunny in the house how's your saturday night live viewings going man i know you'll talk about it and what you're watching but
1: you feeling good about the season so far i don't think there was a new episode this past already last night no
2: (laughs) two episodes and we take a week off no i think they had three Three episodes but um
1: that does actually happen um, sometimes. So I think they have another week off next week, too. And then they come back and ramp right through uh, Christmas.
2: Very fine. Very fine. We are also, of course, joined by our producer, our lawyer, uh, our man about town, David Ungar. How are you, Dave? Man about man town. Man about town. I
3: know, right? Man about town. I'm doing Put, well. Putting gun- on the Ritz. Putting on the Ritz. I'm doing well, gentlemen. This is episode 208 of Bandwagon Nerds. You know what that means?
1: Yep. No. Next week is 209. Thank you, Tony. Master next Captain week's a big Obvious. Episode, actually.
3: This is the end, the season finale for season four, Patrick. Next week oh. is the beginning of season five. I already have the new wow. theme music
1: already done, it's ready to hu- roll. It's a huge season finale next week, considering it's the finale of Loki and the Marvel. Right. Well, the season, well, day. The, premier, the season, the
3: season the premiere, premiere of the season premiere <laughs> is the season finale of Loki. Yeah, you, I get it. But, um, yeah, yeah, are, are we, um, I,
2: I get what you're saying. It's yeah. a big, it's a big day for Marvel. Uh, a big, a big conversation for Marvel for us is, we have, uh, the Marvels to talk about, I'm assuming. And yes, the season finale of, of Loki. I will, I
3: will tell you guys right now, I will not be able to see Marvels on Saturday. I have to wait till Sunday but you're part of the problem
1: as reported by day. No, I can't you go like, by you know, it'll be out Thursday. Well,
3: actually because we're going over to the coast, my nephew and I are to play golf on Saturday. We're not sure
1: what. If <laughs> <good. I'm> Patrick. <laughs> Patrick, ask me if I'm going to play golf on Saturday.
2: Tony, are you going to play go- uh, golf on Sunday?
1: No, no, sa- no, Saturday. Not either, because I'm going to oh. go see the Marvels.
3: It's not that hard. We were going to try but, and see it when we got back into town, but we're like, ah, oh, man, that's that's going to be See, rough. that's
2: just a sign that you're an old fart right there. You're an old man. Ah, like, oh, it's too late. I'm going to fall asleep in the movie theater. Ah, I'm crotchety. Ah. You're probably one of those dudes. You may, you just make weird noises when
4: you sit down now. Like you sit and you're like, Ugh. Hey I, hey, I do that, and I'm like 20 years younger than my boy, so that don't mean nothing.
2: Hey, look who's here. Raven S. Cashington, Esquire, the 9,722nd. I only oh, cut damn, a few Damn, bro, backwards. are you
3: using the power of esquire? Oh, shit. Oh, what happened? What happened?
2: Why'd they do it? Why'd they do it? Oh, it's because they've been
3: productive. Ray, you know what it is. He multiplies the last figure by pi each week, and therefore... <laughs> okay,
2: but... That's not I true because you. Ray, Ray, did you even listen to the episode last week?
4: I was, I was about to say, what no, on it no, I didn't. Yeah, I, I wasn't on. It. I mean, there's the one you earned.
2: but um, uh, this is pretty close to the number of uh, number of descendants I gave you last week too. You were in the nine thousand last week as so well. You have been, you have been a productive Reverend Raymond S. Cashington, the nine thousand seven hundred twenty second. I
4: it's more, it's more variance of me than there are of gang apparently.
2: That's true, but hey, um, did I did 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 my eyes deceive me yesterday? We're recording this on Sunday, but yesterday, talking to Ray, did I see a different thumbnail pop up in my podcasting
4: queue with your name attached to it? You indeed did, Did sir. I see There's, it? there's some new What's stuff on? in the chair shot. Yeah, you what know. Yeah, we have a a, a Emmy-worthy uh, hockey show and an Emmy-worthy football show that certain people may or may not want to be on, but
3: Ray, please I tell figured. me you're bringing back the total package. Please tell me it's the total no, no, package. No.
4: That's gone. The total Package. That is, that is done. That is, that is over. And done. that don't blame me. Blame young Carl Irvin, but no, uh, I got a basketball show. It's affectionately called the pump fake until someone tells me I can't use that name anymore in which we'll just change it to chair shot NBA. There you go.
2: Well, congratulations on the new show. Thank uh, you. I was just thinking as we as I randomly talk podcast shop, uh I'm always more passionate about college sports than I am professional sports. I hope you all know this. I think y'all mm-hmm. know this. Uh and I was I had this startling revelation, not really all that startling or much of a revelation. There is no such thing as a truly great football team in college football. This, this year. year? Like there's, there's the close, the closest is Georgia. But even then I don't know that I'm that impressed by Georgia. Uh, but anyway. When college football playoff time comes, uh, I would love to do a chair shot bowl slash CF playoff special. So
4: put that real, in
2: the back of your cross and think about it.
4: Real, real quick, and it don't have to be yep. everybody, just you because you're the college guy. You agree with the top four? Yeah, they're just
2: not they they they're not in the right order. I I mean, and I think they'll get flipped around a little bit. I think
4: Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, and Florida. Uh, so you got
2: Georgia. It should be Georgia, Michigan, Florida State, Ohio State. Ohio State is easy, easily, in my opinion, impressive of mm. the four undefeated. Teams. And the game against Rutgers, while the score from yesterday looks like they walked away from it, Rutgers played themselves out of a competitive football game against Ohio State more than Ohio State beat them. And I think that's going to re- – I think Michigan's going to pound. I don't think it's even going to look good because Michigan can defend them.
4: I mean, okay. you maybe tell them the truth, but I'm concerned about if they're even going to have a coaching staff by then with all the stuff going on.
2: Nah, they'll have a coaching staff. All all that controversy did was bring about the impetus of the finally mandating that you have uh, coach to quarterback technology at the college level.
5: That's well, what's about time. Be about time. That, yeah,
2: like so that we don't need stupid
4: ass flip cards. Oh, that's part of the fun.
2: And yeah, when Oregon
4: stupid. does it, is kind of cool. Yeah, the like the like. ESPN people and stuff like that. It's kind of fun. It's
2: it's just one of those things like it's it's time. And whether it's a parody for for college teams that can versus can't afford the technology, it's it's just it's silly to do. And, you know, regardless of, you know, this this whole scandal, by the way, is a hot mess. So whoever's still remaining Harbaugh will get to coach in the college football playoff and will have the opportunity to coach for a national title for Michigan before he bolts for the NFL and leaves Michigan to pick up the remnants, a la John Calipari leaving every program just as the NCAA comes close. That's my prediction as to what Damn. World.
4: Well, he's going to the NFL this year. So if you're lucky, the Bears will get him. I, I wouldn't hate that. And I wouldn't hate that for y'all.
2: I, I. It can't be any worse than what we got. Straight up. Right? Straight like, up. We don't, we don't have a guy who can coach players. So anyway – None of that is what we have on this program today, okay? We have a very Marvel centric slash Disney centric episode this week, and we will, of course, again next week when we're when we talk about uh the Marvels, the film, as well as the season finale of Loki. But we are going to talk about episode five, the pent ultimate episode of Loki season two. We do have a fairly loaded trailer park this time around, some good stuff, including another marvel trailer a, and a unique of its kind marvel trailer i'm very excited to talk about that before we get into the back half where variety we have to talk about the variety article that came out this week uh regarding everything that's not going well with the uh, as well as our disney Overlord's Dubai uh content we had so that minute, is that is our we had a 30
3: up. minute conversation just amongst people in the house last night about the variety article so yeah it's a it's a there, big thing. there's
2: a ton there's a ton to unpack there's a lot to to get into there and uh i think uh, yeah we'll get into it we'll get into it towards the end but what what we have in front of us is like i said just quite the marvel centric show and so we'll, we'll start it off with um a little bit of loki talk and to do that i'm going to cue up some marvel music just for us Okay, before we go into episode four, uh, five, I did want to actually hand the floor over to Ray a little bit because Ray missed last week's episode we had had a kind of a brief chat after episode ended with its black screen and, and kind of had it was kind of like a dude bro bro dude bro oh my god bro um but everybody got to have like their their kind of moment and say about episode 4 so before we get into episode 5 do you have anything you'd like to say about your thoughts with really looking like everything just i mean time was completely unraveled and blown up and
4: done well, I, I will say that uh, one of the many complaints people have had about this particular, not just this phase, but everything going on since Infinity War is that they don't feel like there's any stakes. The stakes haven't been kind of set yet, right? For the most part. Loki is full of fucking st- Like, even though some of the stakes may be, spoiler for going forward, reversed, there are still stakes nonetheless. One of those, when Victor Time was out here really doing work and then walks out to fix everything and then gets incinerated. Like, oh shit. Like, how often do you end an episode of any TV show with black? That is probably one of the greatest tropes you can do. It's like, I don't know what's happening next. And builds up all the anticipation for the next episode. Um, Also, the conversations between Loki and Sylvie are some of the best back and forths in all of MCU and a lot of recent television or uh, media to me. Because essentially two of the same being talking to each other and the conversation they had in this particular episode, in episode five, four, two, but specifically this one in five, so deep and Tom Hiddleston is so great. And I love how he's stripping back every layer of Loki, pun intended, uh, with every episode and you get to see more and more and more. And as Loki is fighting this, am I a hero, am I not a hero? Am I doing the right thing? Am I not doing the right thing? Should we save the TVA? Should we not save the TVA? Renslayer killing Docs and her group is one of the most dastardly things you could ever do. And Docs had maybe the dopest line of the season. How does it feel to know that we'd rather die than rock rock with you? That's some cold shit. Like, that is as gangster as it gets. Um, A fantastic episode. Uh, Beautifully done. Um, I'm glad to see that uh, Mobius got kind of held to standard because as much as we love him, as good as we, as he is, there is something weird about the fact that he doesn't want to know. And he's, when you're dealing with situations of this magnitude, where it's not like you are just killing people in the universe, like Thanos, there won't be anything ever existing anymore. If things don't work out like they want it to work out. And he's still oh Hey, let's go get some pie guys. Wait a minute, bro. Do you realize the stakes we got going on here? And I appreciated Sylvie holding him to task. Um, Again, just a fantastic episode. Um, that ending shot, I'll never forget it. It's one of maybe the top ten ending shots in all MCU history, in my opinion. Given everything that's happened in this season, in the show in totality, in both seasons, and everything since Thanos snapped, yeah, it's just cinema.
2: It was great stuff. I also I love it because it it made you sit around waiting to see if there was a quote post credit scene. As Tunny thoroughly enjoys and we'll get to that. I know what you're gonna to get to. Uh because there was a well I uh, we'll see if it has any meaning or if it is something. Um sorry, can you hear me?
1: No, there was an audio clip at the end.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't don't, don't point at your headset when a dude's podcasting.
1: There's audio. Audio.
2: Right. Nobody knows that. That just that's the universal sign for I can't hear you.
4: Mm-hmm. That's what that shit
2: is. <laughs> Look, see the tech guy's nodding. He knows.
4: Aren't you a come producer? On, come on, producer extraordinaire audio.
2: Right, right. Anyway, let's get into the guts of this episode. Uh, as yeah, we're left off assuming that every every timeline is branching out and unraveling everything at the TVA. This uh this episode opens with Loki being in a empty TVA control room watching the, the timeline go through the loom. And all the branching, he starts walking through an abandoned TVA when he comes upon a figure in the distance. He tries to say hello and he starts time slipping again. So we haven't had it. We, we thought the time slipping thing was fixed. Uh, we thought the you know, we thought it actually came full circle at the end of episode four because we finally get the reveal that Loki pruned himself. And he realizes that he's being time slipped again. And this time, as he time slips, he keeps time slipping to his friend. And what I loved about this is we get to see our core players of this season in previous identity or previous um, versions of themselves. Every one of these timelines he visits, by the way, it's listed very clearly as branch timeline. Uh, And so that's that's something important. But we learn uh, uh, Owen Wilson, his name, his character, or not Obi, uh, Mobius Mobius. is Don. Is just Don. And here's what I love. If you go to IMDB and if you look at the cast credits at the end of the episode, it's not Owen Wilson is Mobius. Owen Wilson plays Don in this episode. Uh Eugene Cordero plays Frank Morris. He doesn't play Casey. Ki Hui Kwong plays AD Doug, PhD, not Obi. And uh and um Umi Musaku plays Dr. Willis. Uh which I thought, by the way, did anybody else think we were gonna get an Avengers moment? When it popped up, New York, 2012, and there's Doctor Willis in 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 the in city in New York, New York. Because that that like alarm bell, I was like, oh man, like we didn't even need to see Captain America or Hulk or anything. That date like that's not an accident.
4: Yeah, I get that. It didn't it didn't cross my mind, by the way. No, but because given those, <laughs> I was yeah, just me. Got gotcha. you. Things would well, things were so deep at the moment. Go ahead, Dave. Like,
3: no, like 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 you're saying pat and i've noticed like we've noticed it on the previous episodes they always kind of clarify where we are whether it's branch timeline or, or sacred timeline there was no sacred timeline in this episode nowhere nowhere to be found everything was branched so and i think that's why i didn't i didn't equate it oh okay this is this is the same year as the avengers but this is some other weird ass timeline so
4: don't know so do you do you think that the big flashbang at the end from the temporal loom at the end was the sacred timeline being destroyed and all the branch timelines are kind of off in the space doing their own things
3: it's weird when you look at when they're looking at the loom now right and i guess it depends on i guess it depends on what's the entry point and what's the exit point right because when you look mm-hmm. at the loom you got a bunch of branches and then just one line coming out the other end so does that mm-hmm. is that the exit or is it the other, is it going the other way where they're coming in, where it's been reversed and now the sacred timelines coming in and being branched out into a bunch of different. So you don't, I mean, I I assume that it's going in a left to right kind of direction, right? So that yeah. you got all the branches coming out and then there's one new sacred timeline, but.
4: Well, they're being we prone. Know. So that would make sense. Yeah. yeah. And we don't but know. I, I, I just think it'd be amazing irony if the entirety of this show, everything we know about the TVA takes all the branch timelines that branch off of, the sacred timeline, and they prune them to keep one sacred. And then because they fucked everything up, it, the reverse happened, and the sacred timeline is gone. And now the branch timelines exist in their own area. Sort I think existed. there would be an amazing amount of irony there.
2: Well, and I think it's going to be really interesting because this episode really circles around what Loki's aims are truly. Like, you, you know, Ray, you hinted at it this exploration about who Loki is now. And, you know, he starts starts going through, he encounters all, uh, he encounters Don, he encounters Frank, and none of them know who he is. They don't remember him. Uh, he eventually gets to, he, he briefly appears in front of Dr. Willis before disappearing, because he he still can't seem to control his time slipping before he lands in front of A.D. Doug, who in this timeline uh, has a PhD in astrophysics because he needs to pay the bills, but he really wants to be a science fiction writer. And he keeps trying to put his self-published book on bookstands and tries to buy the, like, he's, of course, he's a, he's a quirky kind of sad, desperate little man. Um, uh, But it's adorable. Like you're still like, Oh, it's endearing. What's up?
1: It took me 18 months to build it. I lost my job and my wife.
2: <laughs> right. Uh, because when Loki lands in front of him, And starts trying to talk to him and be like, I know this is going to sound crazy. And of course he believes it right away. Like, right. Like Doug is on board.
1: Yeah. The only one that goes boom instantly is just like, okay, yeah, I kind of got to do this. Well, he's an
4: astrophysicist. It's not crazy to him.
2: Well, and he was ready for it. Like it was like his dream coming to life. Like that was the thing is like, he was a dreamer. And so Loki starts explaining the TVA and how he's time slipping and, and how he's trying to get back. And, this is where we start to get this idea of like reconciling science with fiction. And I love what they did here because science fiction, as one of the two genres I, I enjoy to read right up there with fantasy, is very much the, the kind of the impossible dreamed through the lens of a scientific possible. And some of the great examples of good science fiction look at science that's out there and tries to extrapolate to what it could be. Jurassic Park. For example, is a is a terrific example of this idea. Even though the science is crap, and if you ask any science, like they're like this science and what they talk about is just ridiculous and stupid. Like you couldn't do it with um, with the DNA It'd be too broken. Like all that sort of stuff is, is out there. But there's this idea that Michael Crichton extrapolated to create this concept of bringing dinosaurs back to Earth, War of the Worlds, the idea of aliens taking over the world, but then being destroyed by viruses that their bodies can't handle. It's just it's, it's great, great stuff. And he challenges Loki and his ideas and his concept of what he thinks is real uh, and, and buys into the idea that he can make a new temp pack if, if he had the, the directions and spec to do it. And, and in a perfect fitting moment, when Loki was zipping around, he, he happens to pick up the TVA guide that has all the information that, that Doug needs to make a temp pack in 18 months at the expense of his wife. Yeah. Um, and he also challenges the notion of time-slipping and whether or not Loki controls it. And that then sort of becomes the crux as they embrace this theory of temporal auras and the need to gather all of these people close to Loki that he needs in order to help them with getting back to the TVA, which Doug says both exists and doesn't exist. It's a mind-bender of an episode. And, uh, and yeah, and, and it ends... With Loki saying he's figured out how to time slip at will and get where they need to go, I left out. I intentionally left out the conversation, uh, but thoughts on what we saw out of this particular episode of Loki season five, Tony? I'll start with you today. What What did you pick up?
1: It was fun. It was different. It was cool to see these lives that these people had led, right? Finally, you got to see Mobius on a fucking jet ski. I mean, geez louise, the guy's been just jonesing for that shit. Um, And it's funny because he's in like this kind of, you know, looks nice on the outside, but kind of second tier kind of fucking, you know, outdoor water sports kind of outdoor sports place. And they got the jet ski set up in front of a fan and it's blowing on you and you're sitting there if you want to, you know, can get you a great deal too um financing
3: I need to um, talk to you about the TVA you mean an ATV <laughs> yeah
1: exactly uh and then he ends up on Alcatraz right for for one yep. of them so that that's insane and, and yeah and he and he keep he, he likes trying to steal stuff too when they're all back together right like he's <laughs> but i it just it was fun it was different and anytime you can have um Ouroboros or or Doug be one of your you know central glue characters It's always a fun part of the story, but man it's just it's interesting where this is gonna go overall um but it looks like Loki controlling the time slipping may be the cheat code they need um to to beat the game if you know what I mean sure
2: um I think
1: you might you might have just, just unlocked unlimited quarters
2: you' you're trying so hard to get there. We'll get there. It's gonna be okay.
1: Uh, I don't know what you're Dave. talking about. I just just making an analogy, right? Sure, you are, Dave. Your turn. <laughs>
3: um, yeah, no, it, it's an interesting episode because you know there. I think leading into it this week, we all read articles speculating did they just reboot the MCU? And it doesn't seem like that's what's happened here. And it seems like by the end, Loki's figured out how to control the time slip, which is interesting because if he can control time slipping, doesn't that make him a master of time, similar to Kang, who can manipulate time as much as he wants? There's a lot of theories that he's going to turn into King Loki and that this is going to be kind of how they push this narrative forward. I don't know, but if he can manipulate time and time travel at his, at his whim, that creates some interesting potential paradoxes you know, as we go, as we go forward. But I think the thing I like about this episode a lot is it, it gets to the core of who Loki is. He's doing... Because I'm like... as We were talking about it last night and all this conversation we had in my household about the MCU. It's like, the thing is, why does Loki care so much about saving the, the TVA? That doesn't seem very Loki-like. It's like what you alluded to earlier, Pat. It's his friends. Loki's got real friends that he cares about. He's always kind of... He looked for the acceptance of Odin. Never really got it. Kind of looked for the acceptance of his brother, Thor. Never really got it, although they developed a begrudging respect for each other right up to the end when Thanos kills him. He's finally been accepted by a group that, of people that he cares about, and so that's why he kind of goes into this direction. And I think that part is really cool. And everything he's doing right now is motivated to save his friends, especially when things look as bleak as they can at the end. With and I did. I wanted to ask you guys though. Did you get the whole feeling of the Thanos snap instead of people being dusted, they were kind of like vining away. Oh yeah. They
1: totally, I was, I was going there. So glad. glad And if anybody had even grabbed any of those pieces, it turned into dust as well. So they're, they're tapping
3: into an emotional connection. We all have to the MCU with like, Oh wow, this is happening again. What does this all mean? But yeah, it's a really cool episode. I'm curious to see how it all ends up in this last episode as to where we end up where Loki goes at what point in time does he kind of plant his flag and say, this is it because he's got the ability to do all that now. So it, it, different. It, the episode went differently than I thought it would. That's for sure. But it was, it was really cool to see it all play out.
4: Right. To you. So I had three, three things from this episode that stood out to me. One, you, you, you alluded to it the whole uh, Thanos allegory. It's interesting to me that we spent 23 movies, 22, 23 movies, but not to that snap and fixing the snap is the biggest thing in the history of Marvel. All the time was dead in like twelve episodes. <laughs> and we fixed right. it in the same episode. So like uh, we're talking about stakes. We uh escalation is going high. Um, so that's number one. Number two, of all the people to be cricket, would you expect it to be Little Casey? I think that was such a great flip, right? How he was a scumbag, but you would have expected it would have been someone else. But he was a scumbag. Um, but most importantly and most pertinently to the future of this conversation, because we still want to talk about what's possibly going on in episode six. And we still got to talk about the Loki-Sylvie conversation. When the flashbang happened, I know that's not what it's called, but that's what I'm calling it just because it's what it looked like. We saw all of these guys go back to their prior timelines or to the prior life. But Loki was the one in the TVA. Loki is the one who can time slip. When we were explained in the very first episode of season one, most of these variants are Lokis, right? Even Sylvie, who was the one who started all the drama, couldn't time slip, couldn't save all of this. Only, t- only Loki can. Why? What is it about Loki that makes him stand out when it'd be different if he was the only Loki? We have multiple Loki. We've seen them. Why is he so special? What is the thing about him that gave him the ability to time slip, that gave him the ability to be the one to fix this, that gave him the ability to be the one that all of this stuff happens to in time and doesn't affect him? I'm really curious.
2: So it's interesting that you bring that up because this is why I think it's always important with this show in particular that you don't skip the recap because at the very beginning of the recap, one of the first things they do is they show a clip from He Who Remains. you remember what that clip was? Everything you've done. Your entire path you've taken. I've put together.
4: Uh, huh. They don't. Okay.
2: You don't put that in a recap without yep. having a reason to do it. And so, yep. Yep. I think Jonathan Majors is back next next week. I mean, I think so, he's going to be back no matter what. But I think He sure. Who Remains is something to do
4: with this. So then, just spitballing here. Dave was right. Loki maybe won't become quite quote unquote King Loki, but essentially he remains bred Loki to replace him. Could be.
2: I don't know. Mm. I mean, especially mm. if what we just we'll talk about this later on the show. Uh, as Marvel tries to figure out what to do about Kang and Jonathan Majors, um, this is certainly a, a direction you could go. Uh, the, it's it's very, it's very, very, very intriguing to me. I just you just I just know that. With this particular show, the recap has always been thoroughly intentional in setting your brain up for what you're about to see. And as I walked out of that episode, I was just like, this guy is saying that everything that they've done and everywhere they've gone, he's put it together and he's planned it. And so I am i have no idea. I'll just say I have no idea what we're going to get in the episode. I will say that every time that this panel has tried to guess it, we haven't been right, so I, I'm willing to bet that everything we're spitballing, fun as it is, probably wrong. It's fun to spitball, though. Uh, and, but I don't, I don't know that any one of us is going to be sitting here triumphantly next week, being
4: like, "Called it!" Till just one, the ancient one coming back to fix it with the time stone. Let's go. Oh
2: Jesus Christ!
4: Well, it's gotta, it's it's supposed to, and and uh, gotta connect to to the marvels, right? Not necessarily. Not
1: necessarily.
3: It oh. would
4: be nice if it did, but not necessarily. Two different realms. We got, we're got. kind of like in the mystical realm almost versus a space realm, right? Oh, I'm... Well, we don't know. Time is
3: time is so fluid right now. We don't know what, what part. We don't know, A, what timeline we're in, and B, what point in that there's timeline a lot of, we're
1: in. There's a lot of jumping around in the marbles, too, from what I've seen.
3: So – and the other thing to keep in mind is
2: we keep saying where and when, and they just really strongly emphasize the word who in this last episode.
4: That's a great point. That's a great point. <laughs> oh, again,
2: who? It's Balen Skull. He's showing up out of Ahsoka. Oh, uh, yes, I'm surprised
3: it didn't go. go. R2-D2. Patrick, it's R2-D2, what? yeah. Like,
1: what's, I officially what's rubbed off on Patrick. I have officially rubbed off on Patrick. Booking, bye. What's funny Patrick. is, what's funny
2: was, I when Tony got ready to speak, I had actually opened up the menu to mute him for fear that he was going to make the star Wars joke <laughs> that I wanted to make. And then he, and then he went talking about the Marvels. Like I was ready to anticipate being like, I had a new joke ready in case you, you, you know, you went that way. So yeah, I don't know guys. I don't think any of us know. I think that's, what's so fun. Where do we feel like this series has been in terms of recent Marvel outputs, just in terms of quality, whether you want to say quantity, um, I'm seeing a big thumbs up from Tony.
4: Yeah, this is the best they've done. I, yeah. It's
1: it, it, it's continued the level at which season 1 set for their bar. Let's put it that way. It's well, it's top it's top 3 streaming series in Marvel, a uh, unanimous, probably
4: higher than that and season 2 is as good as season 1. And and I'm, I don't, I know you want to say something Dave real quick. Well, all the other shows I've enjoyed, all the other shows have been self-contained. Contained. Yeah. Right this is the only one of the shows that's had real stakes that affect other shows.
2: Yeah. This show feels consequent.
4: Yeah. This cast is just sick together
1: too, by the way, like these, these people have just been amazing. And like, they all take on a different, that's why this episode is so great is because they all take on like a different character that's related to who they've become from the TVA. And it's just, that's what I really liked about the episode so much. I mean, fucking, owen wilson on that jet ski with that fan blowing on him i mean that gets you every time
2: i just love that he was he was still trying to sell jet skis um, i'm like yeah oh up in the, up in the
3: yeah. <laughs> i'm in this castle of space-time continuum you want to buy a jet ski you it's know like, it's like he,
1: fuck not, oh no he's asking b15 about like um and she lives in the city and she's got nowhere to goes he says, he says it's it's great. It's a great uh, transportation if you live on a river, or you know, you, <laughs> you, just, you can just you can just head out of the pond and check out for a little while. All right, Dave, put your thought in. I got I got two more things
2: that I want to I want to talk about before we we wrap this episode. I think you know
3: when we had those first three series, when the whole MCU streaming stuff, WandaVision, Falcon and Winter Soldier, uh, and and Loki. Um, those three kind of series still stand out in my mind as being the best of, of what we've seen no offense to like miss marvel which was great and she hulk and all that uh, this one has been the best you know the best one of since loki season one ended i think loki season two has been the best of any of the shows that we've gotten so far it's it's the best and it's also the most difficult to grab a hold of to figure out what like you're saying pat Every time we try to figure it out, it, it it just wriggles free and goes in a different direction. And I love that because none of us really want at this point predictability. And this show has been anything but predictable. So, yeah, I, I did gets a big thumbs up for me too.
4: Those three shows are, by the way, the a listers, and they are those three shows you mentioned are the a listers and the Marvel mainstays. For the record, and they've got the sense. strongest cast right, they-
3: by far
2: well they're just they're they're, they're the familiar characters there's what they are what we've known for the first 22 films and you know we'll talk about this at the back end of the show but one of the challenges is these new these new characters and how they have or haven't taken off the way that maybe MCU hoped they would one uh one last bit from the episode itself that I really wanted to call out was again uh the other thing I think is no accident and is really brilliant in the show is its use of imagery and the ch- where uh Doug is living, slash, doing all his little lab work with his books and stuff. It screams TVA. And behind them, there is, I don't even know what it is, but in the back, there's something that's sort of shooting up like a tree with branches sort of fanning out behind them. And it mirrors what you've seen in the TVA and what they've shown in the credits with a tree that is being pruned by. Okay, uh, it was just—it's a, a nice imagery and callback. It tells you, even when they're not in the TVA, they're in the TVA, and that was—and that, that was very clear to me with that imagery. Okay, we did get a little bit of a nugget of an Easter egg. Tony hinted at it earlier. He pretended like he didn't, but you get through all the the, the credits, and out of nowhere, timestamp forty-four minutes thirty seconds into the episode, you hear Brad Wolf slash x05 scolds somebody maybe you playing an arcade game or at least that's the way i understand it because he's like you died insert your coin loser does it mean anything or was it just for fun sonny you caught it first you've been very excited to talk about it talk about it
1: It, that that reference to where brad wolf goes and and creates that character and that's that's on the sacred timeline um has continued to show up once again. Uh, it, it started at the beginning of the episode, like you said, and then happened at the end. And, you know, it's funny because if you just kind of have gotten to the point at the end episodes where you just start to fast forward by 10 seconds to wait for a video thing to pop up, then you might have missed it. But luckily, I missed it. Luckily, I was doing something right at the end of the episode, I think something came up on X or like some notification on my phone and I'm just sitting there and I'm doodling around and then I did something else. I had an email and then all of a sudden I heard it and I went, wait, what the fuck was that? And I had to scroll back and listen to it again and completely caught the reference right away from the video game. So there has to be some kind of significance here, right? That It's not there for no reason. Let's put it that way. We can all agree on that. So Dave, you missed it. I did too. Yeah,
4: I, I just—I wasn't
1: listening. To listen
3: to it. I didn't have the credits rolling in the back, listening to this shit. No, I, I what, did like Tony said.
2: It? I, I, right before they 44 put up, minutes and thirty seconds into the right
1: show, they put up the Marvel Studios at the end of the regular credits, before it goes into like the the foreign credits, right? And it's
2: not—it is not a scene. It's just the audio.
1: It's just audio. Yeah, audio,
2: Patrick. Right. Which you didn't need to signal to me because I'd already acknowledged your little Easter egg, joy. And then you pointed at the head so like you couldn't hear me.
1: My bad. I'll take the blame now.
2: You should. Take the heat. You know better. has been podcasting said, for like 72
4: I years. Said I that's, it's almost it's close. Okay. Well, I have an idea if you'd like to hear it real fast.
1: Play it on us.
4: Um, everything matters, right? This is a show everything matters.
1: Seems like it, yeah. Except for the points. The points don't matter.
4: Well, that's another show. Wrong show. Um, yeah. But a good good okay. try. There is... There is a person from season one that we haven't seen all season, Kid Loki. Hmm. And if you remember when he got pruned, because he's still in the at the end of time outside of the, the castle. He's still there. He didn't leave. But uh Black Loki, I don't remember what they called him, but boastful Loki. But Black Loki got killed. Um President Loki got killed. Old yep. man Loki let himself get killed by Elias to save them. Only one still around was Kid Loki. If you remember. Kid Loki had been there the longest and had what did he have in that little storeroom he had? A bunch of fucking video games. It's
2: possible, man. Hey, I you can't put anything past it. Maybe we do get a return of Kid Loki. The name of next week's final episode of the season is called the Nexus Event. So
5: we are one, we are one, we are one. Da, da. Yeah, it's it's We're gonna, gonna be
2: something Wade special. We get Barrett
4: and who knows David and.
2: Well, what we're going to do, though, is we are <laughs> going to jump into our first commercial break. We come back, we're going to do a little visit to the trailer park. Got some big-time trailers this week. It was a much better week for trailers this week than it was last week. So stick around. We'll be back soon. You're listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the thechairshot.com All right, welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds on the Chair Shot Radio Network and part of the Chairshot.com. Patrick Godow, BC Tunney, David Ungar, and Ray Cash, all here giving you the best and brightest in the world of the Nerdosphere. Make sure if you love us, head over to prowrestlingteas.com forward slash the chair and support us by investing in us with some sweet, sweet chair shot swag. Only $19.99 for a Delightful TV shirt, T-shirt, TV shirt, TVA shirt, something. Uh, get a damn T-shirt, 19.99. Spend a few dollars more. Get it soft style. Your giblets will thank you. I'll get it better when we come back from the second commercial break. We are going into a loaded trailer park. I got five trailers this week, and interested in all three of them, or all five of them to some degree. Three of them a little bit more than the others before we can do that though dave needs to give us some of that beautiful banjo so dave take it away All right. See, Tony, with his dejected, sad face as he once again does not get to play the banjo. Ray didn't even try. Ray knows. Ray knows that you guys had your chance. and blew it. Not we. Months ago. Oh, yeah. Now Tony we. blew it. Just Tony.
3: Hey, just, just for the record, Pat's going to be in uh, Orlando in a couple weeks, guys. So oh. get your lessons in right now.
2: Hey, however you want to ruin the show is up to you. It's You know,
3: it's been four seasons. Oh, Big, big, busy trailer park this week. Did you just say four seasons? I'm sorry. to go. We're not staying at the four seasons. I was about to say, Connor would be very happy about that.
2: Oh, we're staying off property. Anyway, four our five trailers this week, uh, all of them to some varying degree look entertaining and interesting. I will share that the last three are more interesting than the first three. The first film that we are going to talk about, though, is The Fall Guy, which three and a half minute long trailer. Uh, of Emily Blunt and um, shit. Why am I Ryan losing Gosling. his
3: name?
2: Oh, that's why he's so pretty. I got lost in his eyes and forgot his name. Ryan I, Gosling. So
3: he's your man crush. I got Henry. And we just I have need, plenty of man. Crushes. We need.
2: We like, need like, Ray and Tony to get something. No I wouldn't say well, no to Gosling, man. Like it's Ryan Gosling.
4: My man crush. My man crush is actually in this movie.
2: Oh, who's your man crush?
4: Winston Duke.
2: Come on, bro. And Fucking Mbaku. Um,
4: that's not a man it, crush, Tony. He could embak do me anytime.
2: ha, Tony, ha, ha. Tony right. is doing that whole un. Toney's doing that whole uncomfortable hetero male thing where he's showing a woman just to prove that he's manly. Uh, it's okay. Embrace your gay side. It's cool.
1: All right, Let's- I'm comfortable embracing my ungay. I'm uh, good for you guys, but I mean, I would. I mean, did you not? Did you not see that? Holy shit! Eh, that's why I I about to- Winston in so, certain pictures. When I first when I first discovered that picture, I put it up as like my screen. Behind everything, and when I locked my phone, and I found myself like spending way too much time just looking at my lock screen. I was like, "Oh my god, look at how perfect she is." Hashtag
4: get hashtag get Tony a girlfriend.
1: I no, I dated a girl when I was in my early twenties that was five ten. She was a swimmer. Like, dude, swimmers got some bodies, especially the tall ones. Oh my god, just saying.
3: Um, okay, <laughs> just
1: just the pause I there. You, I told you I was comfortable.
3: Yeah, um,
2: okay.
1: Gal- so anyway, gal- gal- really, Ryan Gosling
2: plays a stuntman who is romantically entangled with his director, played by Emily Blunt. He is sent off to find the the lead. The guy he is stunt doubling for finds him dead, and hilarity and adventure ensues. Like, I don't actually entirely understand what's going on here, other than it seems like the main actor was tangled up in some shit and ryan gosling's character gets caught up in said shit and apparently because he's a stuntman he's really good at fighting which which kind of makes sense uh, but it's you know it's fiction so whatever uh it looks fun it looks like an amusing little flick i don't know that i'm gonna go out of my way to see it
3: at the theaters but it's there if i could i shared this with the group because i think this is a modernization of the Lee majors TV show fall guy. It turned into like a, like, I think this is a movie that's kind of like, I was like, Oh look, they've actually, it took them 30 years, but now fall guys actually being brought back on, I guess this is on Netflix, right?
2: Uh, it's it, the trailer ended with saying it was going to be in
1: theater.
2: And just to, and just to follow up, Dave, it has to be because Lee majors is doing, is listed amongst the cast. Aaron Taylor Johnson, by the way, is the actor that uh, Ryan Gosling's character is uh stud doubling for and finds dead. So just to bring that in, Ted Lasso's Hannah Wadding- yeah. Waddingham is in it as well.
3: Like you're saying, it looks, it looks fun. I, I mean, I'm not going to rush right out and see it, but I just like, oh wow, they're actually turning this into a movie. I'll share this with the group. But otherwise, I mean, Ryan Gosling is kind of on fire right now. I would say he's, uh, he's making a lot of money. <laughs> for a lot of people, especially well, himself, well,
2: he's he's been. I mean, he's been an it guy for forever.
3: Like that's nothing.
2: But no, yeah, I think. Um, his role, his turn is Ken, really, really set it off.
4: Oscar turn, remember that? I called that months ago. He will for win Ken. best. He will be win best supporting actor.
2: We'll have to wait and see. We'll do a whole show where we invest, You know, when we make our Oscars picks, and then we'll admit that we haven't seen like two thirds of their but, You know. We'll
1: That's be cool. there. Call ASAP. He's oh, them all. A24.
3: A24. A24. <laughs>
1: <laughs> the Oscars. Welcome to the Oscars. Sponsored by A24. Might as well.
2: Um, Tony, your thoughts on this? movie? Uh, I just said it looks fun. Looks like a fun little action pack for it.
1: I believe him and the, like, uh, the, the stunt person, the, the stunt man he plays and the director, they they have history together as well. So like yes, it's kind of like uh, they had a fling and now they're kind of, you know. She's skeptical, but then realizes she, oh, she misses him so much. And, you know, obviously danger ensues. It's Ryan
2: Gosling. With,
1: look at him. Draws. Yeah. I, is, I don't know. I'm not a Ryan Gosling fan, really. He's kind of, I mean, like the blonde hair doesn't really seem like he is should be. Is it because he has a penis? No, I mean, there's attractive looking men out there, right? I mean. Jason Momoa.
2: Is it Jason Momoa?
1: Dude, the commercial where he comes home and takes off like his his muscles and his hair and everything is fucking hilarious, by the way. Um, but no, this is interesting. It's an interesting, fun blockbuster movie, and it's like the first one back, and it should be uh, it should be a good time. There's no way I'm paying movie theater prices to go see this though. But uh,
2: what if it's in 3D on Super IMAX that surrounds your head?
1: I would have to say that a uh, son of a gun. Other people will have good fun, but not this guy. Oh!
2: By by the way, I think I came up with a segment for next week's show where myself, Dave, and Ray we're just going to pick male celebrity to present before Tunny.
1: If I and, a-
2: and we're going to determine, and we're going to determine
3: who his well, man crush. I got is. it. The yes. segment will be called I- Tunny swipes right. There you go.
2: Oh, oh there it is. Tunny Anything swipes with DP right. DP for the bill. Oh, all right. Here's the rules, fellas. We're going to stay out of the pro wrestling arena unless they acted in a film. So the rock counts, but you can't be pulling like hell. You can even technically throw LA Knight out there. He's been in some movies. Um, uh, Knight, not, not hot. The rock hot. Oh, so see, this is going to be easier than I thought. Um, uh, we're going to find Tony's man crush next week because right now the, the name of this episode is Tony's a objectively <laughs>
1: Objectively.
2: I don't
3: think I'm going to put that on. <laughs> I,
1: don't that, I don't know if that would make the actual posting of the, uh, show, but, um, I, I uh <laughs> <laughs> we've had way worse titles than that. Oh god. Dragonerds
3: but... two oh eight. Tunny hates gay but... people. There you go. That one might that one might sneak by. Just...
2: Or the gays. We'll make it even worse. The gays. Tun- you always say hate <laughs> the gays.
3: The gay
4: community.
3: Tunny praying the gay away. There you go. There. <laughs> oh
2: god, it's got all out. right. We have gone too far. Now let's change the subject to something nice and wholesome like Nickelodeon, because kids We got our trailer for Dave's done. Like we cooked Dave a little bit there. Uh, I got it. I full disclosure. I'm not watching this movie at all. Don't care. Uh, But we did get a trailer for good burger Two, which was a very meaningful television show on Nickelodeon for a generation of children after me. And that's why, like, I just like, it's, this is why, like I, I watched this trailer guys and I don't know enough about all that. I don't know enough about Good Burger, the movie to to like, to me, I was just, I aged out of this. I never watched it. And while I can see why other people enjoyed it, especially if they grew up with it for me, I'm like, eh, no, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm good. Pat, so, you, can,
3: you can skip me. Cause I feel exactly no, no. the same so, way of you that you do uh, exactly the many, same way.
1: Dave, Dave, you're how much older than Patrick? 12
3: years, in? something like that. 10 years, 57. No. How old are you? 45 dude okay so i turned 55 in december so 9.9 years
1: (laughs) okay so 44 going on 40 or 54 going on 55 right and patrick you said how old 40 i'm 45 45 i'll be uh i'm 42 i'll be i won't be 43 till may and ray 35 35. look at us look at the generations but no 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 no. but that's that's, here's the thing though right like um I I remember this show and I can tell you about it and know the 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 major catch lines. But Ray, did you watch this show growing up?
4: Oh I grew up on all that Saturday Night okay. Live. Nick so was it, was what I am. My generation did. Yeah. a little bit too old as well, Patrick. So why don't we just go to Ray? Well, number one, um, Keenan and Kel as a duo, just them getting back together, major because they didn't. They tried out for SNL together. Kenan made it. Kel didn't. Most people expected Kel to make it and Kenan not to make it. There was some friction there. Kel kind of did his own thing for a minute. They finally came back together and um, they brought back all that again for a new generation. Became both um, executive producers and then their friendship started growing back together as did their um, partnership. And they were like, we got to do Good Burger too. Let's do it. Lauren Michaels finally signed off on it. Everybody was cool with it. I will say As a guy that grew up on all that, that loves all that, that loves Kenan and Kel, that loves Good Burger, this is gonna be a trash movie. The trailer's trash, (laughs) but the nostalgia is so strong. We don't care. We just had. It's just. It's just cool to see the movie. But by the way, um, one of the things that I've loved about Good Burger from day one, and it was a sketch, not a show, just a sketch on all that. Um, Right. I mean, it got turned into a movie originally, but it was sure. It got. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's no different than SNL. Cone heads, yeah, yeah, that's
2: why I and I knew I said I knew I called it a movie first. I tried to go back and correct it uh yeah, yeah. when I talked about all that the second time around.
1: That's my Did, fault. Yeah. Have your daughters seen it, Ray? What do they think of it? No, they've never seen nope. it. No, I um, would show them that because here I think this movie is for people of your age that when they were kids liked it. That maybe to show sure to the kids. kids absolutely. So, it, you know what I'm saying, 100%, like, so they will watch it. Yes, like
4: it. I wonder if your kids would like it. Spot on, but it but it looks stupid compared to what the original movie oh. and the original show was. The original is pretty the, stupid. The, no, the original movie actually. Uh, I mean, come on. Well, the premise of the show is stupid in general, but the original movie actually yeah. was that had some interesting stuff.
3: You know, what would get but me the into most- this ray is if at some point during Good Burger we
1: get
4: what up with that?
3: You know, now that that would make it worthwhile. So,
4: Dave Swanson appearance from Lindsay Buckingham.
3: Lindsay, Lindsay, but, cookie yeah. cake, <laughs> cookie <Yeah>. cake, <laughs> so Lindsay. <I'm>
4: pretty- <laughs> Deandre Cole will not make an appearance in this movie, but I just want to say, um, Kel's character Ed is the original. Um, he's he was he's always been the most inclusive dude on television. I'm a dude. He's a dude. She's a dude. We're all dudes. Like a lot of generations, my generation grew up with that, thinking we're all dudes. Like, and I know it's a joke, but this type of shit matters, right? And so, uh, yeah, I'll watch the movie. But there's a reason they're putting it on Paramount Plus. And not in the theaters because they know what's up. Or,
2: I do gotta say though, you
4: look at some of the people that are that are making some
2: cameos or some guest appearances. It's it's an interesting. Group. Rob Gronkowski is in this mm-hmm. movie. Mark Cuban is yeah. in this movie. Is in this movie. Um, they got to bring Bill back Rel. Sinbad
4: because Sinbad was the main dude in. Oh, the yeah. old movie, right. Yeah.
3: I saw what you did there. You're like they know what's up with that,
4: right, Ray? That's what you were uh, gonna uh, say.
3: Uh,
2: Carbon Electra, uh, yeah, is in this movie. Um, the, the thing about all that and, and what I've always found fascinating about Nickelodeon, by the way, Nickelodeon's always had some sort of a, a kid's sketch show as part of its programming before there was all that there was, you can't do that on television. And then you Round can't house. do that and on television. was followed by all that. Kennedy and and Kelly had a brown house, uh, like they've always had some sort of kid's sketch show going. And in that tradition that has spawned, like this is the most famous thing that's spawned out of any of those sketch shows. With, without question, is good is the Good Burger franchise like? Well, it did
4: what it did what you said in Saturday Night Live. I'd, so if you're talking about a sketch from any of these shows, sure. But I'd imagine I mean, that. Yeah. But I'd imagine that Kenan and Kel, the Amanda Bynes show, like oh yeah like yeah, it, not, Josh, not a show. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Like out, well, of no, the,
2: out of the tradition of Saturday Night Live,
4: yeah. Sure, sure. Like Saturday uh, Live
2: sketch movies. This is this is yeah. There.
4: Sure, I, I'll give you that, yeah. and and I don't mean to to continue to belabor the point. But it's a, it's a damn shame in the history of, of kids sketch shows and Nickelodeons that the show Roundhouse gets so little t- conversation. Roundhouse, when, when Snick originally debuted, Roundhouse was one, one of the original four, because it was like what all that is, just with older teenagers. Um, and it was kind of set kind of in a, like a warehouse on, on the tracks. But the reason the show didn't take off like it should have is because one of the kids over, overdosed and, and died. And then the show never really took off like it should have. And all that was more kid friendly because it was younger kid. Um, But don't forget Roundhouse because Roundhouse was way before it's time too. So think of Roundhouse as you know how the Cosby show was kind of for adults, but then you had a different world that was kind of more for the generation underneath. That's kind of what Roundhouse felt like in terms of sketch comedy.
2: It's funny because I grew up on SNCC and I don't remember Roundhouse at all.
4: It was
2: I, like two seasons. I, I watched because I watched Are You Afraid of the Dark, which is mm-hmm. very much a part of Snake and was was my favorite thing to check out. So yep. Yeah. Anyway, Good Burger, Paramount Plus, probably the right place for it to to debut and run. So let's move on to the final three trailers uh that and I, I will share. I am interested in all three of these. Uh the first one that we're gonna talk about though is probably the one I'm least likely to see in theaters. We'll probably wait until it comes out. Uh, and a streaming platform. that's Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. I honest to God, am impressed that this franchise has continued in its current iteration. I didn't even know they were making. and watching this trailer, the one thing I gotta say is there's so many homages and nods to the original Planet of the Apes movie starring Chuck Heston that it's just it's kind of mind boggling. thought that too. But these remakes have been pretty darn good for quite a while. And they just sort of are like the little engines that could when it comes to films. They come out, they make a decent amount of money, uh, they look great, and they've been telling a very strong story and narrative of the origin of a world dominated by intelligent, advanced apes. Planet of the Apes, and now we're at Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes where they are the dominant species, and it looks like they're rediscovering ancient Earth at this point, like human technology and whatnot.
4: If if I may jump in real fast, sure. what the reason the reason why I enjoy the series so much, because I too was surprised when I saw that trailer, is that the original movie, they were they thought they were on a different planet, right? And it's just right. but it just was Charlton some, and,
2: Yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Charlton Heston and his crew, like he their ship is on a mission to go to another planet. They crash land, they think they he thinks he's reached that planet, and it turns out that uh, it's just that they somehow uh, slung shot forward in time and, and they landed back on earth. And you get the big moment where he comes upon a buried statue, statue of, liberty.
4: of liberty. Yep. Right. Um. So, so that's as sci-fi as it gets. This has a hint of realism in it and that they were in, they were experimenting on these, these apes and essentially that experiment turned out crazy, which consequently Became the monkey flu that killed most of the people. So like, there's there's some sense there's some sensibility to it. But um, not only does the show look great, the movie looked great. I'm interested in it. Um, this this is this movie is a perfect example that mocap shouldn't be a hindrance on uh, like Oscar noms because while he's done great work on all other movies, Lord of the Rings specifically, Andy Serkis and what he did to Caesar in this movie. You can't tell me that dude had one of the best acting performances in the world. In terms of the trailer, one thing I got a problem with in the trailer, as the dude who's watched all three of the movies, at the end of the third movie when Caesar dies and uh, his son kind of takes over after the big war, um, they got the little white girl. She's nowhere in this trailer. Right. That bothers me because that's the only connective tissue, right? That or the bigger anything. I mean,
2: that's what we've seen. Well, You know, we don't know... I mean, maybe maybe we'll see something. Who knows? Um, the first the the first of this rebooted franchise, by the way, Rise of the Planet of the
1: Apes, is two thousand eleven.
4: Yeah, it was well So about. James Franco it's, hadn't it's been like, canceled yet,
1: right? This is just post, look, and just looking at what's that? This post Mark Wahlberg in the Planet of the Apes kind of
4: thing. Yeah, this is post like <laughs> human, completely like, different human, completely no different human. series. Okay. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, mean,
2: that oh, that's the Tim Burton terror. I one. I, didn't
4: I don't. I'm not a fan.
1: I just it looks fun, but I'm not. Yeah.
3: Dave your thoughts um yeah i I don't know. i, I it's it looks like Tony said it, it looks fun. It looks interesting. I, I haven't watched any of the other stuff really. I am, have never been the biggest planet of the Apes fan um but yeah, I mean it, it, it I mean, I like the concept of the story. The fiction of the story is pretty cool. I've uh, just never been really that enamored or or t- you know too interested in the movies. but it looks good i mean is this is this like is this a continuation of anything
4: Ray or is this it's the, it's its own series, so the original rise of the planet Apes, James Franco is a scientist who is uh trying to find the cure for alzheimer's his dad has alzheimer's he he's te- they're testing these animals he works for this big major company there's this one ape that he's testing on that he realizes become smart, but he finds out that they're he wants to find the cure for alzheimer's, but they want to make money off of something and do something like terrible and they're hurting the, the all the other apes so he quits and steals one of the apes that ape is Caesar so Caesar grows up in a house in, upstairs and he gets out and they put him in uh, um, they take they, they uh, try to put him in some type of little ape jail so finally James Franco uh, agrees to put him within uh, a little ape conservatory or so so to speak right? He thinks he's doing the right thing for them, but doesn't realize they're being abused there. So Caesar, who has high level intelligence, just kid finally grows up and decides I'm not taking this anymore. So he he sneaks out, he goes and gets some of the stuff that turned him smart, gives it to the rest of the apes, and he's like, we got we we're not gonna take this anymore. We got to get out of here. And then that starts them getting out of there. Now mind you, he's the only one who could talk. The big part of that movie is the dude is about to stun him, and he screams no. And everybody's like, oh shit, the ape can talk? And then that starts the series of events because that thing that got them all smart eventually gives all the humans some type of flu. And then it goes from there to there. At the end of the first movie is them going across the Golden Gate Bridge to um, the Redwoods where they want to live in the woods and it's a big fight to get there, and then so on and so forth as things go. So this is the fourth movie in that but after the third movie basically all of humankind is gone. Human That's why it's called War of the Planet Apes.
3: Human oppressors get their comeuppance I'm in. Let's go.
4: What do you
1: guys what do you guys think is a bigger struggle though for the audience? The fact that you have to accept the fact that you know apes have evolved to that level that they're going to be able to take over society or that James Franco is playing a legitimate scientist.
4: Well again
2: in twenty eleven 2011... Tony's muted. Okay. Tony's so done. He's done. He's done and he can be like what what you just you, you had to find a way you'll let him yourself in a little bit franchise is doing well it's a classic science uh, science fiction trope and series i'm just i like i said i'm impressed that it's gone as long as it has it's been a good series let's head into our fight our next to last trailer it's a it's a redux of a trailer we we've already seen it's the second godzilla minus one trailer again Brought to you by the studio that has given us the original Godzilla films from Japan. This is in Japanese. And every time I see any footage from this film, it's the most anticipated film of 2023 for me. That's counting anything that came out earlier to to now. I want to see nothing more than I want to see this movie. It looks nothing short of epic and amazing.
1: Let's do this then. I'm going to interject here and go, Patrick, tell us why. Tell us why this version looks like it's hitting the right bells and whistles for you as far as this goes, because you've been skeptical about the Godzilla and the King Kong movies and them not being the right storyline for you. What about this is the right storyline for you and why you're so anticipating this? Fundamentally,
2: Godzilla at its core, from its inception, has always been an allegory of some sort uh, of the destruction of nuclear war and nuclear technology on the island of Japan. The original Godzilla is an allegory of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. And the interesting thing about old Godzilla films and, and the ones that have been made previously in Japan is that it is about the creature as a metaphor for some sort of impact. On the nation this wanton destruction this movie by all appearances looks to be about godzilla and about japan and about again i and without seeing the full context clearly looks to have been influenced by like world war ii and it is about the just the horrors and destructions of war told through a giant monster that is and that is coming up from the ocean it looks epic it looks amazing. And it looks like it's going to be about the creature versus a lot of these Americanized versions, which insisted on interjecting some human scientist, main character, actor, person that they feel we need to connect to in order to understand the movie. And you don't. You don't. That's what makes this look so great.
1: It does seem like, though, we get an underlying kind of a certain one certain family um, with with a young uh child and then like some governmental influence as well but like what kind of ratio do you need here because we also get like these atomic lit, light up blue scales that pop out of the back at the end too that look kind of cool
2: there's nothing to say that they, the the god the original godzilla films and other godzilla films didn't have or didn't necessarily not have like characters and families that were impacted or that you know like part of the story is like the everman trying to survive but to answer your question, the ratio of that story doesn't feel like it's at the expense of the creature. And I'll use the original Godzilla remake as an example, which works really hard to be like, hey, look, Brian Cranston's movie. And technically he was for like 20 minutes before he died. Uh, but there was so much time focusing on humans and this like the monster's coming, the monster's coming, the monster's coming, the monster's coming. It was like two hours of the monsters coming before the fucking monsters showed up. And that's problematic. And even in Godzilla versus Kong, we had two groups that had to be all about, like, we have this relationship with Godzilla and we have this relationship with King Kong. And we're, like, the humans are, are like, manipulating and controlling things. And that's not Godzilla. Godzilla is about the powerlessness that humans have in the face of it. But not Godzilla is working with King Kong.
4: It was weird. Can I ask you a question about that? Sure. And this is truly, um, I mean, nothing, nothing negative or, you know, you're not triggering uh, me.
2: Don't worry about
4: it. Yeah. But I I just you guys know my favorite genre is disaster movie. Uh And the beauty of a disaster movie is the human spirit and how they respond to this. From what I've ever seen my whole life watching Godzilla, there's nothing about that.
2: No, because they were reflecting a very bleak, horrible, historic time in their history. Like Hiroshima and Nagasaki didn't have a happy ending. Oh no no! We agree. Decades of fallout. And we so, agree. So, yeah. No, so and, my, I, and I'm not trying. I get passionate about it because yeah, it's 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 an allegory. Like I don't I don't always like bleak, sad movies or things that are depressing. The thing about the Godzilla films that I really appreciate is that in the face of it, like humanity never really. And, and yes, that's very bleak, bleak. That's also very real for what that story was telling. And I know that's not for everyone. Well, that's
4: That was that was going to be my question. I, I don't understand the interest in it. The trailer looks amazing from a visual cinematic view. But well, and, the reason why this. The, the real quick, the reason why the stuff that they did with the other Godzilla movies that you didn't like, they had to put a human in it. That was from people like me, because there's nothing about this movie other than the visual, physical destruction that would drive me. I need something. i I won't say that
2: godzilla is without i will i won't say that the originals are without hope because the other part of this is godzilla never leaves japan completely destroyed godzilla always returns to the ocean in the end and japan is still standing so it's not it's just not as like humans don't usually influence that that survival necessarily and i think that that's you know what I think is interesting. Like I think if there's two, you know, a dude trying to keep his family alive in in the the stratosphere of Godzilla's wanton destruction, I think that is, that's why that's there is to to pull for that guy. But it's it's really still about the creature. Um, and so I, I, I can't wait. It's it's premiering on November 29th. It is playing at my local Cinemark on their giant IMAX level screens. It's it, it's gonna look epic and i just these people know how to build a godzilla movie i can't wait for it dave you haven't spoken yet i will let you take over here for a second
3: well a couple things i i think like back when we were doing the nerd review um i think like when we were reviewing that whole monster the only one of those movies that really got the balance right i thought was uh skull island kong skull island that really kind of didn't go over the top with the human element. It was really about Kong and that sort of thing. But Godzilla is a fascinating conversation because he was kind of like, I always thought of him as like Japan, although they're the only nation to ever have not one but two nuclear bombs, the only one to have any nuclear bombs dropped on them. There was Mm -hmm. a sense of guilt that the Japanese people felt about what had happened to them because of the fact that they pretty much brought it on themselves. And I don't mean to say that in a heartless way but the attack on the united states the, war. the attack yeah. on the united states brought the united states into this thing to the point that they we felt this is the only way to end this war and godzilla is kind of emblematic of look what we did and because these bombs were dropped this terrifying creature and they say it in this trailer in the original trailer that creature that monster will never forgive us because what they did created this this monster and i think they have they have kind of made godzilla too user-friendly for lack of another term in years since where he a- appeals to this different kind of dynamic this trailer in this movie is all about the terrifying original feeling and nature of godzilla there's nothing in here that's supposed to get like pat's talking about some of the other movies have given you hope there's no feeling of hope in this this is just godzilla punishing japan for causing in this Japan? global in Japan for causing this global catastrophe and basically threatening all of humankind because it forced us to develop this nuclear weapon and drop it on people and i think you know this movie makes it so that you know here's this <laughs> this very larger than life reminder of hey you know this is what that you you are going to continue to pay your penance for this whole thing and survive it and i think that makes the movie very different and it and it's by the it's by the same companies that did the original i think the japanese people look at godzilla completely different than the americanized version and that comes through oh i through. mean kaiju
2: and kaiju in general yeah, that just, just comes through
3: movie. in droves in both of these trailers
2: and, and i would argue it's not so much punishment as it is the horror and destruction of what was wrought upon them Uh, Godzilla a lot of times is the United States. No, no. And that's,
3: that's what we were saying when you stepped away, like like Godzilla was a, was a a symbol, a a very larger than life symbol that the guilt that this, a lot of people in Japan felt that they had brought upon themselves and their people, because we kind of forced the United States hand in this whole thing. Here's the, you know, the uh, consequences of that. So yeah, this is going to be a very different Godzilla movie. There won't be much hope. There'll be lots of destruction, but um, th- it, it'll be it'll be cool to see it from a Japanese perspective with technology and not the campiness that some of the later Godzilla movies got into. So I, I'm I'm with you. I, I can't wait to see this.
2: Yeah, I'm, i I sign me up. I may. I very rarely go see a movie during the week. In the middle of the week, I may go and see this on Wednesday, uh, November twenty ninth. It does hit theaters nationwide like december 2nd or something like
1: that much like dave could do like thursday and go see marvels no big deal
2: could
3: <laughs> um, you're you're right about that.
2: speaking of Sorry, speaking best. of the mcu let's get into our last trailer we got our first uh, they called it a teaser trailer but it was a good minute or so minute plus or so of the upcoming marvel series echo and this series is unique for several reasons. First of all, it's a great character with a great villain. Uh, I love the Kingpin. The Kingpin is one of my favorite Marvel villains of all time. Uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is absolutely the right guy to play Kingpin. It's it's perfect for him. But this is the first uh, Marvel series that is TVMA. Uh, it's also the first Marvel series that's going to get released as in its entirety. It's not going to be an episode-by-episode. Episode. They're Netflix-style in this thing. And I will say this about this trailer. We established very, very quickly that this is not going to be the Marvel series you're used to. We've, we've just been talking about like bleak, dark. There's this is bleak. It is dark. It is brutal. And, and your trailer, basically, the first 30 seconds to 45 seconds of the trailer is Wilson Fisk beating the ever living fuck out of a hot dog salesman for mocking Maya. Like, it, this is this is gonna be brutal. I, I don't know if it's gonna be hard to watch, but it's not here it's not your Iron Man. It's not captain America. this is this is this is Marvel Knights. This is you know to to talk about a uh, the uh, sort of the more mature Marvel comics. like that's what we saw here out of this. And it looks like it's gonna focus on a little bit of a backstory that I kind of hoped we would have gotten a little more of out about of Hawkeye. I'm kind of glad we're getting it now. Um, But now, given the tone of this series, I kind of get why it wasn't in Hawkeye. Uh, And then, of course, where Maya goes post the events of Hawkeye. Everybody's favorite Marvel holiday special. So, actually, that's not true. It's uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, Ray shared it before I could share it. So, Ray, I'll let you comment first. And we'll go Dave and then we'll go Tony.
4: Appreciate that. Got a couple of thoughts. First and foremost, um, Echo is a dope character in general because she is the antithesis of daredevil and that one can see and can't hear one can hear and can't see but also while daredevil likes to beat people up and punish them but tries to save them she's more on the punisher side where she'll murder the shit out of you if she has to right um so it's it's she's on top of that she's uh i know clint was got deaf but she's born deaf so she's She's a deaf character. She's a, a Native American character. So there's a lot of um, inclusion involved with her in this mo- in the show. So I'm excited to see her background. I'm excited to see her kind of added to these straight-level heroes. Um, unfortunately, nobody's going to watch it because it's a character nobody really knows. It's going to be a lot of extraneous things to go around the fact that the main character doesn't talk and can't hear. Um, and like you said, Patrick, they're releasing y'all at once. So I'm I, i I'm curious to see if this changes the viewership. But I have a question for you guys. So I know a couple of weeks ago we had a good back and forth about the merits of showrunners. And i, I in just reading articles about this and uh, posts and things of that nature. Someone said something that resonated with me, kind of a perfect middle ground. I don't like the idea of showrunners. In in the Marvel world. But how would you guys feel if Feige, who's the main showrunner, the main creative behind it, the CC, oh, apparently, if you if you want to call him that, right? If you split Marvel into three realms, say Marvel Street Level, Marvel Space, and everything in between, you can call it Marvel Mystic or whatever you want to call it. And you had one showrunner given to that, one showrunner given to this, and one showrunner given to that. And they ran everything. In that sphere, whether it's a show, a special presentation, or a movie, they were the ones who hired the directors. They were the one who hired. They did all that. They all report to Kevin. It's Kevin's vision, but they are kind of like the leads for that vision. So say, I know James Gunn is over DC, but say James Gunn was over Marvel space. Say Homeboy who did Daredevil was over Marvel street level and such. You know what I'm saying? Something like that. Would that be a more of a middle ground and make more sense? In your eyes, to keep some level of consistency, then just every show gets its own showrunner and does what they want. Because this is the perfect example of the positive the positivity of a showrunner and the negativity of it, because this is a show that's not it's the character that's not known, it's the actor actor that's not known, and they've changed the entire way they release the shows in general. So I'm just curious. What do you guys think about that
3: i was going to defer comment until we get to the variety article because that kind of ties into some of
4: what i think okay. needs to be discussed in that yes regard. Sir. okay ignore it then we'll talk later
2: i do want to i do want to point out that the other thing that's unique about this series is that this is the what they're calling the beginning of marvel's uh quote spotlight era that's what brought and the then, idea to my mind and that yeah. these things under this banner are more about highlighting character-focused stories and not necessarily being a type of series you need to pick up and watch in order to fit in with the entire scope of what's going on with the MCU. And so I do think part of this is also a reaction to this idea that everything Marvel puts out is kind of quote-unquote required reading to understand what's going on. Um, Like, you need to have seen everything else before you need to see this. This is also so werewolf by night uh, is also sort of technically under that as well. And so I, I don't, I don't know, Ray, I think, and, and again, we can talk about this, you know, when we get into the variety article as well. I, I think that there this, this idea of showrunners and, and what you're worried about, I feel like what you're describing is the structure that Feige me is that I hire a voice for this vision within this show that I have because I'm Feige, but it's going to be this like it's going to be this one singular voice. And the thing that seems mm-hmm. to have happened in a lot of shows was well, there was a myriad of things going wrong, but among them, and She Hulk has has been just used a lot, sure,
0: rightfully um, so. But,
2: right, but there's there you know it was not just there was just so many cooks in the kitchen to make a show. That it wasn't, it wasn't, there was no continuity. There was no, there was nothing for the actor, like scripts were being changed on the fly and things were being bad. And Feige himself has said, he kept trying to treat series as something that could be filmed and managed like a movie. And at the end. Which was the
4: idea I loved. I thought, I loved, I thought the idea was genius. Well,
2: but the problem was, is it wasn't working when you'd be like, by Feige's own admission, it wasn't working creatively. To try and fix fix everything in post production because that's what his 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 tactic sure. was. Is a lot of it. It was sure. going into post production and being like, "Oh wait, well this didn't work. Let's do this in post and, and do this." Uh, and it's he learned that it was harder to do with shows. It just took him a long time to really kind of admit that. And that doesn't necessarily like with showrunners, you do things more before mm-hmm. as opposed to after. And so, I just think it's a different way of thinking for these series.
4: So I'm with it. I, mean, I just don't about want a different showrunner for every show. That's my only concern. It's one for right. every single show.
2: And who knows how often or how that'll work, how that'll shake out? We'll we'll have to wait and see because we just don't know yet. Um. Anyway, I I just I think for those who are worried about Daredevil and what Daredevil was going to look like in terms of like TVMA, uh, we're we're doing it with Echo. These characters overlap. I don't think you got anything to worry about about how Daredevil is going to look, especially with this change in direction now that it's not going to be a law drama procedural a la Law and Order, as Dave Earl says. Okay, it's time for another commercial break. We come back. We are going to talk uh, all things Disney, as as that's the back half of our show. We'll briefly touch on the big purchase that's coming up, and then we will get into the now – Infamous Variety article that dropped this week. Tons of bombshells. We have some opinions. We have some thoughts, and we're going to talk it all out. You are listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the Chairshot.com.
1: Promotional consideration
4: paid for by the following.
1: Hey folks, PC Funny here. Thanks to our new partnership with Angry Lemonade, you can save 10% on physical products and digital commissions using the promo code Chairshot. Head to AngryLemonade.net to check out their amazing catalog of products and services. Use the promo code CHAIRSHOT to save 10%. That's angrylemonade.net.
2: All right. Welcome back, everyone, to Bandwagon Nerds, part of the Chairshot Radio Network here on the thechairshot.com, prowrestlingtees.com, forward slash chairshot for all of your Chairshot swag needs. Yes, you could be the third person to purchase a Bandwagon Nerds T-shirt. Spend $19.99 for that sweet, sweet piece of merch or spend a few dollars more, get it soft-style, We'll thank you. If you buy, whoever buys the third shirt, we'll thank on the show. We'll thank them on the show. Just saying it. Putting it out there. One of you 26 listeners out there, buy that shirt. We'll thank you on the show. All right. We had two big pieces of news hit our uh, interwebs this week, Uh, both in regards to our Disney overlords. And you know I love talking about our Disney one is a confirmation of something that we knew was coming. We had actually reported about it, talked about it a few months ago, I want to say. But it it seems like it is officially official now. Disney has announced they are going to spend $8.61 billion to acquire Comcast's remaining share of Hulu. This isn't a surprise. Because we've been talking about it, but as of November first, it seems like the two companies have reached an agreement and it will acquire the remaining remaining thirty-three percent stake in Hulu held by Comcast.
3: Reactions.
2: Disney I thought Disney was broke, you guys. Yeah.
3: <gasps> yeah stock all time low. We've gotta raise the price of Disney Plus. We gotta lay off all these fucking people.
4: Wait. Sell ESPN. Yeah,
3: sell off ESPN. Wait, we can spend eight billion dollars. To buy the remainder of Hulu off Comcast. It, it just, it, it just, this is what these corporations do. You're just talking out of one side of your ass or the other, because it's like, oh, the sky is falling. It's all bleak, but we've still got enough money to pull this fucking purchase off. All right. I, it's just, I, I don't know. <laughs> it just, it just, it just seems so super fit.
2: I mean, it's content. It's, it's the final nail in content acquisition for Disney. Like that's it, right? It's more content. Oh, Tunny.
1: Huh? Nope. Huh? Okay, so the first thing I thought was, <clears throat> boy, this makes Disney look a lot more attractive, con- controlling all of Hulu to Apple when they buy Disney.
2: Ray, you're shaking your head. Funny is, Tony is fully embracing that Apple's buying Disney, even though that Apple- seems to be...
1: No, but it I seems to be Instagram. an article. It
2: seems to be a rumor-generated article no, no, no. that has
1: no I, real steam to it. I completely understand, but like, doesn't that make sense? Like, oh, boy you sound a lot more attractive to us if you have all of that entity under, unless we have to deal with someone else. No, I mean,
2: I mean, I see what you're saying. It does, it does give. I I think it gives them more leverage to sell content to Apple um, as opposed to sell themselves to Apple. But that's that's me. uh as long as the price of my churro at Disney World doesn't go up,
3: am I really that sad?
4: I, I it's wouldn't, I up.
3: wouldn't hold yeah. out hope for that.
4: Regardless. Uh. Regardless, so that's true. So for the record, I think that's Balderdash. Is that a great A white word for you guys? Poppycock. Poppycock. However, the WWE sold this year, so apparently anything's fine. Um, true. But um, this just is more revenue. So because half of that revenue was going to come. Okay, so a quarter of how much, ever much the percentage was, as you get the full amount of revenue for Hulu because Hulu's had a bit of an uptick over the past couple of years. That's all that is, and it makes sense to complete the portfolio. Um, they're definitely looking over the books. If they do sell ESPN, which would be stupid of them to do, because I don't know if you guys saw Jimmy Pataro was talking uh, to um, either him or somebody who was working with him was talking with um, my boy Pablo Torre and admitted that like. ESPN was bringing in more than all of the parks combined. It was some of a, a crazy amount of money ESPN was making. So apparently that would be a stupid thing. It, you, you said it right, Dave. The things that make money, they don't want to make money. They say they're broke. So let's get rid of the things that make us money. And we're gonna go spend more money. <laughs> it's just stupid. I don't get it. It doesn't make sense. Stop me. Make stop. it make sense, Dave. I can't.
3: I already tried and I can't. So it just it just it's it's a corporate mentality, you know. It's like we're we're having all these problems. We got to do this and all that. But I just can't resist acquiring this other asset. You know, I'm a complete like gamers talk about being completionist. This feels like a completionist move on the part of Disney. Got to get it all. Got to get that hundred percent, man. Got to get, get that hundred percent. Got to catch all you. the Pokemon. You know, that sort of. It's like it, it, even. I mean, that's not going to help their stock price. I can't imagine. And it's just going to piss off stockholders like me even more. Say, "Fuck! What are you guys doing?"
2: Uh, the little O'Dowd, by the way, video game completionist extraordinary. That kid doesn't want anything less than a hundred percent
4: in everything he does. So I, I, was I, just,
3: I was the same way, but at my age now, I'm like, I just want to get to the end of the story.
4: Yeah, I never cared slash until I played burn. the You're Slash and Burn. Until I played the kid, lo- series, I never cared,
2: dude. And watching him chase after gold stars in Super Mario Odyssey has been a thing. Uh, okay. We, we've danced around it. We've talked around it for most of this episode. Let's get to the last thing I have on the docket today. And that is this Variety article. So this article was published. I'm going to look at the date real quick. It was written by Tatiana Siegel. Um, does not seem to have a date attached to it. Anyway, this past, uh, this past edition of Variety had this article. Big, uh, big picture of the NCVU looking to be in danger and basically it centers around this year's marvel retreat uh marvel creatives including kevin feige assembled in palm springs, palm springs for the studio's annual retreat and basically it, it says that this was a tense uncomfortable meeting or retreat uh, that addressed a myriad of problems although the biggest one seems to be the uh, the on-screen legal uh, the, the legal troubles the scandal involving Jonathan Majors the disappointments on screen in terms of you know money being brought in and critically and just where it's kind of, what's the start of what's the state of Marvel right now and i mean there's some pretty damning co- quotes in here from different uh, from different folks i mean, one top dealmaker says Marvel is truly fucked with the whole Kang, alg- Kang angle. Uh, this person's seen the final Loki episode, and they haven't had an opportunity to rewrite until very recently because of the WGA strike, but they don't see a path how they move forward with Jonathan Major. Uh, I I don't know if that's premature or not. I think that the, the Jonathan Major situation isn't as cut and dry as this dealmaker seems to think it is. I know that there is a whole like don't touch scandal thing that that is huge right now. But if you, you know, for every Ezra, Ezra Miller, there's a Johnny Depp. Uh, So it's, it's really, I'm I'm really intrigued to see what happens with Jonathan majors out of this, out of his, he's got, he's got some court dates that he's got to go to things that haven't been dismissed. Um, We'll see. And things are talked about, you know, and some of the things that they talked about, like talking about rewriting and moving Dr. Doom in as the, as the uh as the new big bad to take over which is you know trying to find somebody who would be on the level of Ken to to replace him but how do you do that how do you make it make sense how do you write it in a way that makes sense that's a that's a real challenge and then the the, the content issue that we talked about a lot the, just the overload of content the pressure that was put to put out content for Disney plus and the reality that that's backfired in many cases that the, the stream numbers have not been as strong as they hoped. Uh, they talk about the VFX problems and the pressure, like, well, She-Hulk comes up a lot and just the things that went south with a lot of these productions. Um, it's everywhere. And, and, you know, a ton of even put out today the Marvels is not tracking well um, coming into its opening weekend. And whether that's about the movie itself and the characters, and, and the, wor- the word about this movie has not been great. Like, Shortest Marvel movie ever like ever made. Like it just seems like this thing has been snake but snake bit in the press and it's getting worse and worse and then this article hits and then we see these numbers. but Tony.
1: You've asked it before. Have we hit superhero fatigue?
3: I mean, I think there's something to that. Um, I don't know. I think like with the Marvels, the more information like you're saying the more information we learn, the more concerning it gets. The number of rewrites that the movie has undergone, that's a little concerning. Um the run length that's a little concerning. I I don't know if it's superhero fatigue, but it is I'll I'll reiterate what I said in if you want to get into it at this point, Pat. I don't know if you had more to say. Sure. Or, I think the article raises some valid points and there's some valid concerns and I think we all agree with some of the stuff that they said, yeah, this makes sense. I do think that they missed the biggest point of what has plagued Phase 4 and the early part of Phase 5. It's the review bombing of things by people Mm -hmm. who are racist, misogynistic, homophobic, and they have gutted these shows before they even got started. Miss Marvel, tremendous show. We all agreed with that. Got review-bombed because A, female lead, B, minority. Um,
4: Islamophobia.
3: Yeah, the Marvels is going to suffer from that because not only do you have three female leads, two of them are minorities. So this movie, no matter how good it is, is already being preconditioned. This preconceived notion that, oh, we're just going to shit on it because of X, Y, and Z. And none of us agree with all that stuff. We think that there these shows have been, by and large, tremendous. But there's a very, very, very vocal minority out there that is cascading over all this stuff. I think that, nowhere in the article was that mentioned. And that's the reality, and we've talked about that forever. You know, I also think that part of Phase 4 and Phase 5... We've all talked about it is you've got to give this stuff time to be built up. They didn't build up phase one through three overnight. It took some time. However, phase four and phase five, this does feel like, yes, they are laying a foundation. They're world building, but it has gone a little bit too slowly. And I think like for me anyway, I'm like at this point, you guys got to get going somewhere. This has got to take a leap forward into where we're going because it's just a little bit too slow at this point. The last thing I'm going to say is I do like like you're talking Pat we're talking about Echo and Daredevil they've got to get back to these street level characters there's been too much of a departure from the street level people what Spider-Man No Way Home was December of 2021 so we're almost 2 years later there hasn't been much on the street level that we've really seen getting and they need to get back because in the early days of Marvel we we talked about it in the early days of the show They would alternate. You'd have cosmic, you'd have street level. So you'd get this great yin and yang going on that created a much larger picture. Ray was talking about showrunners to handle each different distinctive section of what's going on. I definitely think they need to get back to these street level characters. They're the foundation of Marvel, Spider-Man, Daredevil, X-Men to a certain extent. We haven't seen them yet. But I like the fact that they're going in a mature direction because that's what the street level stuff should be. I think that's smart and it'll get them back on track. But those are my thoughts. I mean, yeah, there, there is superhero fatigue, like Tony said, to a certain extent, but it's kind of being manipulated by this very vocal minority who's casting a pall over everything. That's my opinion. I, I'll shut up now.
4: Go ahead, Ray. Go ahead. Well, do you want to respond to that? Go ahead.
2: Well, I do want to point out, not counting Siri, from 2021 to 2023, so this includes the pandemic when people were stuck at home. Black Widow, Shang Chi, The Eternals, Spider-Man: No Way Home. It's four flicks in one year. Doctor Strange, Thor: Love and Thunder, Wakanda Forever. Three movies in 2022. Quantum Mania, Guardians of the Galaxy, The Marvels is coming out. That's three movies in 2023, and that's before we get into the series that have all been released in between. That I I do think the Disney Plus series have had something to do with this concept of fatigue and it's not because they're bad. It's just that there's so much. I think it was, was it DJ in the chat who, who made the the old point of it? Like, I can't miss you if you don't go away. Um, I do think that there, there is some of that missing. Like when I think about, or like, and you look at the earlier release schedules first, it was, you know, we had two movies in 2008, only one movie in 2010 two in 2011 with those core five before the avengers came out in 2012 you know two movies in 2013 two movies in 2014 two movies in 2015 like we doubled up guys two in 2016 two in 2017 three in 2017 that's when we add that's when we started to boost mm-hmm. that's when ragnarok hit and then we started to ramp into 2018 had three 2019 had three so it's there there is something to volume and that's, you know, and that's the thing that they talk about with uh, the problems with, you know, the a couple of the other things they talk about with uh, this current phase, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Mania and the Marvels, uh, they got flip-flopped because one felt more done than the other. Uh, and then you're hearing about all these rewrites and Nia DaCosta took a, a leave from the movie.
3: If I could like, remember, Pat, they finished Quantum Mania like two years before the original release date. And we were wondering even back then, are they going to flip the release dates? around?
2: Right. Um, and then you look at—I mean, some of the, the VFX pressure that's being put on some of the, these folks. Like, it's—I do think there's also they 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 made their schedule so aggressive that they definitely have sacrificed quality of overall look of a product versus quantity. And, and She-Hulk kind of was the the show that broke the dam on the working conditions and what was really happening. And so. I I I and I do agree that review bombing was, was was terrible. I also know that critically, like outside of review bombing, critically they weren't getting reviewed as well. They they just they were like you go like they were, and it wasn't that they were getting reviewed badly. Like we weren't getting rotten. Like nothing was de- declared rotten. But you know it was getting you know if you use that Rotten Tomatoes aggregate, 60s and 70 with a, maybe a spike with a familiar character. Right, but even- and that's not a bad movie that's not what marvel had set out as the standard right. that we've come to expect
3: but even amongst and what we th- were getting towards the end amongst us there were some tepid reviews thor love and thunder we weren't thrilled about oh it. i
2: didn't like love and. quantum mania we I were lukewarm
3: about that. so even amongst nerds no, I liked, like i liked quantum but even amongst I nerds like us it wasn't glowing over the top like you know phase three anything from anything from end game you know leading into end game so yeah, I mean, the quality's dipped in some places. Some of it's been better than others for sure, but it's not just the critical stuff. It's it's amongst the core group that people like us are like, hmm, this is good but not great, some of it. We've said that a lot. Right, go ahead.
4: So I, I continue my stance that I don't think that there's superhero fatigue because the second there's a good Batman movie that comes out, it makes almost $2 billion. The second that there's a good... Marvel movie with people with people that we know it comes out, it makes $1.6 billion. There's no superhero fatigue. I believe the issue, you roll your eyes all you want. I believe. Oh, maybe that wasn't me. I'm sorry, Tony. I believe the issue is that we reached the apex as much as we can get. And because we're not getting that anymore, people are upset. And Dave even spoke to some of it himself. Well, Phase 4 has been moving kind of slow. We need to speed it up and we need to go that. But then Pat just mentioned there's three movies a week, three movies a year. So what do we need to speed up? I think we got so Oh, say, so, we're up to 4 now though. That's they are up to 4 movies. The right. Last so of years. again, you're talking about speeding it up. 4 movies, 3 shows a year. How much more? How much faster right. can we go? I think that we got so to such a perfect medium of great movies, great stories, something we've never seen before and that a connective tissue between 22, 23 movies with the perfect ending to these movies. Things got so good with the top stars in all of Hollywood, things got so good that when they had to start over to build to the big next big thing, people were like, no, nah, son, keep it there. I want that. So then when you take time to go from Thanos in the snap and all the Avengers, Avengers assemble to Miss Marvel fighting in a high school gym or She-Hulk leaving, you know, twerking with Megan Thee Stallion, people were like, this don't work for me. And everybody keeps saying there's no, there's no connective tissue. There's all, yes, there, everything matters. We are going all, we are, we, it's, we are, we, we collectively struggle so hard to see how the current space matches the past. There's the saying that your um, history is bound to repeat itself, right? We forget how we felt when phase one was happening and when phase two was happening, like, the, everything wasn't just about Thanos. There was multiple things that they were fighting after and going after. They were going after Hydra. The whole Hydra took over uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. That was just as big. But because we had time for it to be the first time we ever dealt with that, we, we accepted it fine. But now there are multiple things that we're trying to structure, all leading to Kang, right? But then we got all these guys that we've been introduced to, and then we got the Celestials, which most of us in the know know, leads to Galactus. There were multiple things at once, but we can't accept that because we got the best it could ever be. When you get the best you ever, Patrick, Dave, y'all are married. When you've got the best you ever, you can ever get to, you don't want to go back. You don't want to go back. You've had the best steak you ever had in your life. You're not trying to eat a hot and spicy no more. So I just feel like we've gotten so we've gotten so spoiled as Marvel fans that now. When it takes a little work for us to, for us to get to where we want to get to for the next time, we don't enjoy the work no more. You know, um, here's a perfect example. Another perfect example, if I will, from, from in, in sports. Patrick is a Bears fan. Dave is a Washington fan. Tunney is a Green Bay fan. Tunney, more specifically than anybody, Tunney's had 35 years of fantastic quarterback play. Proud to be a Packer, even when the seasons were bad. Tony hadn't said shit about the Packers all year. You know why? Because the quarterback ain't great. So, like, he doesn't care. He doesn't care, right? And that's how, it, that's the same situation I feel like it is with Marvel, is that the same passion isn't there because we don't have the best. If we have the best, we would care. We don't want to do the work to say, well, let's work and let's get it. Because right now, there's a lot of potential in that Packers team. Three years from now, there could be a championship level again right now. But right now, they're trash. So it's like we don't want to do that work because we got to the best. We won. Marvel uh, uh, did the uh, did the equivalency of winning eight Super Bowls in a row. Bill Belichick. And now we're trying to find a new quarterback. Just call me when we got a good one. Instead of I'm going to be at every game supporting giving when we garbage. That's what it feels like right now. And maybe that analogy didn't hit on all levels, but I hope you understand what I'm saying.
2: I understand what you're saying, and I also think there's two different roads here of, of quality problems that, that, that Marvel is struggling with. Because I think there is the story. And for and the reason, that, I'm not saying there's no problems. That's not, not that right, wasn't
4: right, right. what
2: that was about. No, 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 I get, I get what you're saying. But I, I think that there's the story they're trying to tell and, and some of the roadblocks that are in the way with there, whether it's introducing new characters and getting audiences behind it to mm-hmm. the, the, the elephant in the room that is the Jonathan Majors situation. To the working conditions, these two, and the aggressiveness with which you know, and this is what's talked about in the article is sure. the aggressiveness with which MCU and Feige was pushed to produce content for Disney Plus that then led to just a visually poor product yeah. or a visually washed product. Yeah, and so because I like, I liked Shang-Chi, like, well, I came on this show and gushed about how much I enjoy Shang-Chi. And I remember, um, I think it was Aesop. Like he was right there with me with the exception of, it's like, why did they have to fight some giant, like epic creature thing? Like, it seems like every Marvel, mm. you know, movie, like, and that's the other thing is, you know, there was, there was some folks who had a feeling of redundancy to, to, to kind of the big bad. Yeah.
4: You know, sure. Yeah. And there's tropes. Then there's but the like, doppelganger thing. Right. You fight the, you inverse. Yeah, of course.
2: Right. Um, You know, I I think on the whole, it's it has been much like the beginning of the the MCU in terms of some of the stories that have been told, because some of the stories in the early Marvel cinematic universe were uneven, maybe not necessarily bad, but uneven. Like, I love the Hulk, but that story wasn't quite as strong as Iron Man was. And it showed. I love Thor as a character. That story wasn't quite as strong as Captain America, the first Avenger. Uh, they worked and they got us there and they did well. Uh, But I, I do see some of that in this. The thing that I think that you've hit at Ray is the tentpole characters, Robert Downey Jr. And Chris Evans and Scarlett, uh, Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Thank you. That's what I was trying to remember. Aren't necessarily walking through that door. Uh And Marvel and the MCU hasn't necessarily taken the folks that were left that could really, be the elevating characters and and use them i think as effectively as they could i mean we made you the scarlet so? witch a villain no i think i think outside of bruce maybe bruce banner uh, i disagree but cumberbatch who, who's the elevated though that's my well, point is honestly, not, so i expect honestly, i expect cumberbatch to be the elevated character but what i'm saying is we interview and he's not new like he's he's probably the one but like uh, and and uh, my hope for the Marvels is that the Marvels was going to be what really gets people to embrace Kamala Khan. and um, I'm Monica gonna forget Rimbled. Monica, Monica Rambo. Yeah. like like and that's on Bree Larson and her character to really um, you know show them as equal. Uh, I think Benedict Cumberbatch, like individually as a character has been shown to be very, very important. You know who's actually been the best connective tissue um, and kind of the elevating guy for marvel in my opinion benedict is wong, wong. Yeah, yeah it's benedict wong and his character wong he's been yeah. everywhere and he's yeah. he's the one he's the one who brings in shang chi he's the one who shows up in she-hulk and i love that. um
4: america chavez so
2: america chavez i just i do think that there is a little bit of um there's a little bit of people i do agree that there's a little bit of forgetting like it took a bit to get there when we started um I I think my biggest concerns aren't so much about the story as it is just the the learning the sort of conditions that workers were put under yeah. to, to, make no. this, to make these movies. And I think so, that's a real problem that so, they need to, to address and rectify.
4: I, like, so Absolutely. The only thing that I was speaking to was strictly sure. just the idea of fatigue. Right. There are major problems in Marvel stories. Right. Major problems. And I don't want to... I don't want to dismiss that. I just want to speak to the idea of why there's this perceived superhero fatigue. But yeah, my god, the, I was one of the main people on here when we were doing our, our strike talk every week saying the VX, right. VFX guys should have been the first ones to go on strike.
2: Right. And and I mean Maybe. that's coming, guys. That that's definitely coming. Like they're unionized, they're coming. Like that's I I I think that's a win not if proposition. So, uh, but I do I I do think though there is something to be said about easing up on a timeline. If for no other reason than a quality of program. Uh, you know, look at the Blade movie and the shit show that's been to get writers, directors. Marshall Ali almost left. He might still leave. Like, yeah, that's it's trash. it's nuts. They I got go guys do you guys realize that today was the original announced release date of, of Blade as we're recording this? Today on November 5th. was oh. like, it was around this time. Yeah. and the the, We data. were supposed to have a Blade movie by now. We ain't got nothing. So... Yeah, it's it's there is serious dysfunction there. So it'll be uh we'll have to see how it pans out. Uh okay, last thought on this article. Do we think this is a turning point moment for Marvel to right the ship or do we think this is the beginning of something that could be the fall of a cinematic empire? PC Tony, you've been quiet. You'll, you'll go first. I love I love that face.
1: I do you really want to kind of start over again or you know how much faith do you have in what you have planned is basically the question right i, I mean i that's one way to look at it sure
4: that's all i got i mean i why well, go backwards who wants to go to two things can be true they can stay cinematically with the plan they've they've formulated they can also slow it a bit and slow it down a bit and give a fuck about people that they employ i think both things can be true
2: So then back to my question, is this a come-to-Jesus moment that writes the ship, or is this the fall of an empire? Is this Rome going down?
4: I get your question. This is what podcasting is, guys. No, no, no. I get your question. It's a very fair question, but there's no ship to be corrected because they're still, by and large, an amazing company. I think they got some shit to fix, but, like, D.C. needs correcting. So
2: so basically, yeah, this is is like a— it, basically what i'm hearing is this is a come to jesus get right
4: moment for marvel not the beginning of the end that's what i mean oh yes no it's nowhere close to the in. sorry go ahead dave
3: dave it's an opportunity for sure i don't think i don't see this being the beginning of the end i think they they've got too much goodwill they've established too much um i did want to clarify when i was saying speed things up i'm not saying release more stuff i'm just saying With the first phases, the first phase, right? We had five movies and we had Avengers, a big thrust forward as far as storyline, nine movies, six series. We haven't had that movement forward yet. That's what I mean to speed it up. I think that they're going to look at this and say, we need to get to one of these big moments and we need to do it now to get people re-engaged. And I think that this whole thing that they're talking about is going to tell them, all right, we need to switch our approach. We've spent too much time telling this backstory. We need to move this bad boy forward. That's what I meant. Not release more content. I'm saying get to something substantial now because you need to re-engage with some of your audience. And I think that this is kind of where, where they're looking at.
2: Yeah. Well, we will see. And uh, we'll see soon. So before we go into what you're watching. Who among you
3: still fears death? What's wrong with you? I say you, he did. You will die alone at that meet and all that I am
4: is dead already.
3: She said that every living creature on Earth has
2: known.
5: I've been dead, dead. once already. Diane ain't much of a living boy. Death is a natural part of life. Death comes for us all, Rokosaki. Death is but a door. Time is but a window. I'll be back. I don't understand why people have to die. Wee wee wee.
2: That's right, with the impending return of a Marvel film to the theaters. We got to bring back Tony's favorite sound bite. He's not a sore loser about it at all. He literally dropped his glasses down over his nose a little bit and did a little head shake. It's cool. Um, it's that time. Uh, anybody dying in the Marvels? Tony's like, ah, in, I don't know.
4: In the, the yeah, I'd say he dying. The film. The bad who's guy. Dying.
2: Okay, other than
4: the bad guy. Sorry, I wasn't expecting it. How about no, Fury's wife?
2: Fair, is she in it?
3: You
4: know, I don't even know if she's.
3: She got on. She, she is out, out there. The... She is on sort. <laughs> Short answer. I don't. Hope. I don't see anybody. They're too integral to things. I mean, yeah, M- Captain Marvel. Okay, she's like one of the OG event. Or not OG, but
4: sort of. OG Avengers. She is Avenger. the OG Avenger. They named it after her.
3: Yeah. Um. You've got Monica Rambeau, who they've just established, and Kamala Khan, who you know you've got to figure Young Avengers is going to be forming, and they're all going to be you know you've basically got. All of the young Avengers, this female version, circulating around right now. That moment when they come together is going to be one of those epic. Let's move forward moments. I'm talking about. So yeah, I don't, I don't see anybody dying. Anybody on the good side of the fence dying on this one.
2: Okay, because it's good podcasting. Got to have a, you got to have a hot takey answer.
3: You want to move the Marvel Cinematic Universe forward in a big way? Nick Fury. Yeah, possible. That. Yeah, that's possible.
2: In December 2022, Sam Jackson said he had two Marvel projects left. That was before Secret invasion. Does that
3: count as one project or is each episode is separate? So you know, and, I would've and,
2: put I would have put the bold prediction and say Samuel L. Jackson's Nick Fury D E D dead.
4: And we at, at his age and as long as he's been doing this, maybe he's tired of it. Maybe he's ready to do something different. He might be. Who knows? Like like not? Doing anything? No, still <laughs> acting. But a lot of these guys get tired of doing the same role. I think Sam's so fucking
1: done acting. He's done traveling, done with the schedule. <laughs> I mean, you get to a certain age, you just want to do nothing. I've already hit that.
3: He does, uh, he'll, he'll keep doing those credit card company. He's just of? gonna keep wandering the earth from place to place, getting in adventures. Oh, wrong movie.
4: Or, or you could just he could just go and act for three weeks and get paid six million dollars.
1: Or he could True. sign out with the Food Network and see how many countries he could order a royale with cheese. Ah, Very nice. Man All right, time. my man.
2: It feels like this conversation is done, so let's head into the final segment of the show. This week we'll start with Ray Cash. Hey, Ray, what
4: yes. you watching? We, me, and the kids watched Five Nights at Freddy's last night.
2: A little low down, I forgot to watch it. Still watched it. Yet.
4: We started to watch Brooklyn Nine Nine has taking night. us over. Oh yeah, for, yeah, yeah. Then yes, keep doing that. It wasn't. I had reservations because I played the game and I didn't see how they could make the game match the same intensity as the movie. And it didn't. It's completely different. But I'm bad. Cool. yeah, we still want to watch it. It's still on the to do list. Um, it's, it's 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 a it's a fun movie. It's just it's not what I thought it would be, which actually is a positive. Cool. Yeah. It's always just,
2: odd enough. That movie won the box office two weeks in a row. Now, what what does that say about the strength of the box office right now? Uh, pretty sure it's going to lose this week. I don't I don't think the Marvels is going to have any trouble beating that guy out. Uh, Tony,
1: what you watching? Uh we got Tony Hawk and Flea on Hot Ones that
4: I've uh, got dialed up over
5: here. Mick Follis.
1: Well, I, I already watched that okay. one. Already watched that one. Okay.
4: Oh, also, Tony. Oh, I did Timmy, Chalam- Timmy Chalamet is going to be on this week? SNL. Okay. All
1: right. Uh, but other than that, a little bit of NBA. And then uh, listen to the pump fake. Follow me at PC Tunney. Dave, what you watching? Oh, well, as we
3: discussed in our recording of Hockey Talk earlier, uh, spent quite a bit of time with the Beatles this week. Watched the Now and Then documentary right before the song came out. Excellent. Tunney, you watched it. It's all of 12 minutes. Guys, get out there and watch this thing. Fascinating to figure out how this song came into being. 30 years after they first approached it i mean it's really awesome and, and peter jackson of lord of the rings fame and the get back series um he's instrumental in this whole thing the song is tremendous uh i urge anybody anybody who's a beatles fan watch it listen to now and then buy the song it's like fucking two dollars and you get two songs for that so that's pretty much what i was doing a lot this week
4: speaking of documentaries um, real fast, the Vladimir the WWE fan documentary finally came out on Peacock. Check that out. I've heard good things about that.
2: Yeah, it's being reviewed very, very well. Uh, the Brooklyn Nine Nine watching continues over here in the O'Dowd household. We have finished season two, ready to head into season three. Uh, the only thing that annoys me about Brooklyn Nine Nine is the most like I, I get it. It's what you do in sitcoms and comedies and shows, but damn, I hate will and they, won't they for relationship stuff. And at some point. Just get together, goddamn! Hey, little uh, doubt, how you doing? You, wanna, that's you wanna a big wave part of everybody? the
1: show, but Andre Brower is the best part of that show.
2: Yeah, God. Damn.
1: There's the man right there. There you
2: go. A little doubt here. He heard me talking about Brooklyn Nine Nine, and he took the elevator out of here. So, um, we are both eagerly anticipating Godzilla Zero One, or minus one, uh, but that's not till late November. We're gonna go see the Marvels. Obviously, that's on the upcoming docket. I am currently watching quantum leap season two the remake of that a solid solid film or solid solid series i you know not a like like i love this the show and the concept so i enjoy it uh i could see people being like it's okay uh like i could see i could see folks being like it's fine uh i just liked the first series so much and this does the same thing same same show same concept um much more attention uh, or at least equal attention to the people in the present, quote-unquote present, as the following Ben the Leaper in the past. So that's kind of a neat, unique take on it all. All right, folks, there you have it. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. We're going to get out of here a little bit longer than usual. This is a, kind of one of the old days, a two-hour-plus episode, fellas. Uh, before we head out, tell everybody where they can find you on the Cherish shout Radio Network and on the socials. This week we will start with the lawyer,
3: David Ongar. You can find me on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now at X, at Attitude Ag, that is at Attitude A-G-G, Facebook.com, slash Attitude of Aggression, threads, and Instagram at Attitude of Aggression, all one word. And of course, if we have pissed you off, and we probably have, because this episode went so damn long, make sure you send your hate tweets to the Trivia Master himself at It's Me, D-P-P, what's up there?
1: AJ is the trivia master. Oh, that's
3: true. But DP one, I think, or something like that. I don't remember. Yeah, fuck,
1: fuck them both. That's where you were going. Yeah. go ahead,
3: Pat. Yeah, send your hate and you double guys. up, double up, and send yeah, your hate tweets to at the phenom- phenomenal AJB, right, Tony? Because fuck him too. Sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. yeah
2: and if know. you like, and if you like that this show went over two hours and you want to support that, then make sure you send your tweets to it, at Greg Demarco lives on the <laughs> X Twitter and talk about how great these two hour episodes are. Uh, PC Tony.
1: As long as the file fits on red circle, it's all good. Follow me at PC Tony chair shot radio network. You know, we got, we, you know, we got you covered.
2: <laughs> and the Reverend Raymond S. Cashington Esquire, the 9,722nd.
4: Golly, there's a bunch of them. It's a lot of them out here, bro. It's you can around. follow them. A lot of you Ray variants.
3: Them. That's for sure.
4: Oh yeah. If, if you've Maybe seen that's... Invincible season one, I'm, I'm basically, you... I'm a uh, Starling you... K. Brown's oh. character. Are you clogging up the timeline? Is that the problem? Ray's
3: a Viltramite.
4: Um, You can find me at itsraycash.geocities.com.
2: And you can find me on the X Twitter at Wrestling Realist. That is at W-R-E-S-T-L-N-G-R-E-A-L-I-S-T. You can follow that same handle on Instagram and threads. Catch me every Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday on the Chair Shot Radio Network. Monday, talking nerdy stuff with these guys. Tuesday, talking hockey and music, which we both we do both tomorrow. We talk a little music and hockey on pick? the hockey talk.
4: Pick? What's that? You did musical chairs.
2: We did a little. We we did a little flavor of musical chairs. We talked a little music. Ooh, and just, just hot and Can spicy, you 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 like pick? you
3: like you talked about earlier,
4: Ray. Hot and spicy. We talked.
2: About, we talked about now and then a little bit. That's what we uh, oh okay. In our reaction, did, to that. did,
4: did uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame just happen, right? Yeah, that was uh, yesterday. Streamed okay. on Disney Plus. Oddly enough.
2: And um, Wednesdays, you can catch me talking wrestling with Greg DeMarco on the Greg DeMarco Show. Folks, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Bandwagon Nerds. Thank you, everyone, so much for uh, for listening. Now get yourself out of the basement. Get some sun, though. It is setting earlier now that Daily Savings Time is caught on. Catch the marvels. Don't give up on the MCU. They'll right the ship. You've been listening to Bandwagon Nerds here on the Chairshot Radio Network, a part of the thechairshot.com.
5: the holidays mean to you? Well, it's a special time, because it's all about giving. I started the Samuel L. Jackson Foundation that gives money to lots of causes because people need to know that there are pe- people out there who care about, that people are out here listening to their voices. Listening to voices. Yeah, that's what I said. Uh, so if it's the holidays and you're in a position to better someone else, then you should giving what you can, yeah. Okay, that's how it is. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to talk about helping people here. So, don't you dare cut me off. I won't cut you off, but I got you to stay. Ooh, yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? Ooh, yeah. What's up with that? What's up with that? Ooh, yeah. oh, what's up with that? What's up with that? Ooh-wee! Oh, what's up with that? What's up with that? What's up? I say, what's up? Somebody tell me what is up with that? Now, if you're gonna re-gift me something, make sure it ain't some whack-ass gloves. Yes! Well, we out of time. <laughs> I want to thank my guest, the incredible Samuel Jackson. Man. Hey. Also. Come on, Sam. Some book. <laughs> Come on now. That costs money. I also. I also would like to thank Carrie Brownstein. Absolutely. Yeah. She is the funny one in Portlandia. <laughs> uh, and, oh my gosh. Oh, shoot. Lindsey Buckingham. You were gonna tell him the meaning of Christmas. Uh, you made six trips to Israel. Oh, Lindsay. Lindsey, I'm so sorry. Come on, it's the holidays, Lindsey. Lindsay, I'll buy you a cookie cake. It'll have Santa's face on it, Lindsay. Come on. Cookie cake. there yeah, yeah, you go, Lizzie. Hey, yeah, that's my dog. Yeah, Lizzie and me gonna do SantaCon tomorrow. Until next time, I'm DeAndre Cole asking you. Hey, 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 hey. hey.